thing about um, the light. I happen to know more about that probably than most people in understanding the darkness, not just in, um, not just like my past life, but, but in a practical sense, I spent like five or six years of my life, my, my thing to do would, was to go underground and to go caving. And I would sometimes do these, these trips that would extend past 24 hours inside of a cave. And you don't know darkness until you've been in a cave for 24 hours and then you come out into the light. You know, there, was, there's, there were moments, I, I remember a particular moment we were, I was in this large, this large chamber in this cave. It was like this 125, I did a bunch of rappelling into caves and this large, just this gigantic room with this 100 foot waterfall. And I was with a team of guys and it was always fascinating to do this. It was the most enjoyable thing I enjoyed about being in a cave and being in this large this large room, and you know, God created this. God created this with beauty. It just needs a little light shed on it, you know. And as we, I would watch uh, my other my other friends, they would climb, you know, because you'd have to. When you go down, you have to go back up. And I would watch them climb, and I would turn off. I'd be sitting in this, I mean, really gigantic room, and I would turn off my light and just watch them, you know, and they'd be, you just see their little light just reflecting off different parts of the room and just showing you different facets of everything that's going on. Well, one time I was doing that and I'd set my bag and my light and my helmet and all my gear off to the side and going off of their light, I had enough light to still see, you know, and, and then they got where they were, they continued, once they had climbed up, they started going down a passage and there was no light anymore. And so I am, I'm sitting on this rock and I forgot that, you know, I was going off of their light. And so I'm in this large room and I'm just like, kind of like, um, uh oh, uh oh, what am I gonna do? I started to panic, right? Because I'm like, if I can't find my light, I could be stuck in this room for, for days, you know? And so, I'm, but there's a powerful illustration in that. Don't go off anybody else's light in light, okay? If you're not letting your light shine, you're going to end up crawling on the floor of life trying to find your way out. But the word of God, it says that is a lamp unto our feet. When we can't see where we're going, it's the word of God that will give us the guidance and the direction. So I just thought I'd share that little nugget with you that, you know, let your light shine. Don't go off anybody else's because as soon as they get away from you, you're going to find out you're in the dark. And so God is good and he is that light. So anyways, welcome to Forward. We're glad you're here with us. We got my wife and my, my daughter watching today. So. so today I am going to share a bit of, 
you know, a testimony. You know, it's, it's so awesome when you're walking with God. He's, he's so involved in every part of our life, you know, and, and everything that we're doing. And this was, it was tough. It was really challenging, you know. Um, we were there 44 hours, you know. I mean, we were there for six days at the hospital, but the labor lasted 44 hours. And, um, you know, what I'm going to be sharing today is just kind of like, you know, I believe this can be applied to anybody's life, you know. The Word of God is universal and that it can be used for any situation. But, but for me, I mean, we were believing. I mean, I'm not going to lie that we were believing. We were believing for a really easy, easy birth, a really easy labor. I mean, I was picturing myself smiling and laughing and, you know, playing cards with the nurses and doctors, you know. It was, it was sort of like that. And the fact that what I mean by that is it was really tough. I watched, I've never, you know, I haven't been through, you know, probably as much as some of you, but I, it, it was the hardest event in my life. I'd never seen anybody in that much pain. <laughs> okay, I'm just serious, you know. I'm just being real with you. I've never seen anybody in that much pain. And there was a lot to learn from the experience. But in the midst of the most difficult, you know, trying, you know, and there's such, it's such a joy and it's such a miracle and it's such a reward and all those things. But God was incredibly, incredibly faithful. You know, up in weeks before, you know, just in my time of just reading the word, God brought me some, some needed words. And see, when you're in this communion with God and you're, if, you're, if your heart is sensitive, God will show you things to come. He will. Not that you have to like see way off here in the future, but when you're, you've probably experienced this where you, when you're in relationship, because he knows, he knows everything. <laughs> he knows everything that we that we're going to need before we even know that we need it. And as I was in that time in the word with him, he just gave me some solid, some solid scripture and some solid foundation that I would need to stand on. And those words, if, let me tell you, let me give you a clue. If you read something in the word or you just feel this impression that God is laying something on you, Pay attention. Don't, don't let that go. Don't, don't let it go because it could literally save your life, for one thing, or it could save somebody else's life. And it will give you, it, you will be a testimony to those around you. It's an opportunity if you hold on to that thing and you end up in a situation and you just, you're in a panic, you're freaking out, not a very good testimony. I mean, we all, I'm not, you know, we all, you know, we all have our times. But it's, I'm just trying to, the emphasis on don't let it go. When it comes, because that's what God, God was doing. He, this, this scripture that I'm going to share later, he just kept bringing it back, kept bringing it back. <clears throat> 
I'm like, ah, oh, this must, there must be something important about this. And it was, it was my rock. It was my life source during that time. And it was so precious. And, and it was true. Because I had planted this word in my heart, and that's what we have to do. We got to plant this thing. If we don't plant it, it ain't going to grow. So many times we plant the word or we plant something in our lives and we just start uncovering that thing. We don't ever give it time to grow. We're so impatient. <laughs> I really, I went out um, to Ashley Park yesterday to just do a little bit of shopping and my goodness. I'd rather just stay home. I'm not, yeah. Anyways, it just kind of, God was just kind of, it just shows the level of the impatience that we, you know, as a culture we kind of have. It's just, we want it now. It's my money and I want it now, you know? And, and life Life is, you know, there's a seed time and harvest in life. And I've learned that things that are the most precious and the things that are most to be prized and enjoyable are the things that they take maturing and they take growth and they take, you know, they take that time, you know. Sometimes we don't know what we have when we get it so fast. You know, we don't, we, we don't really, you know, especially with having a child, there's so much, there's so much that was there, you know, nine months, and then to go through this grueling 44 hours and just to see her face, and it's just, it is what, I mean, you can't put it into words. And it was just a, con it was like, this, this is what people talk about. This is the moment. And through the whole process, God was like speaking to me. You know, when I was seeing my wife, in so much pain, I just couldn't help to think about, you know, because I, like I said, I'd never seen anybody in this much pain. I couldn't help but think of what our Lord and Savior went through. And I'm like, wow. Like, it was so trying to see somebody in this much pain and you feel helpless. And I'm sure a lot of you understand what I'm talking about, to see anybody in that much pain but just to feel utterly helpless. There's nothing, I, there's nothing I can do but just to be here. And I was just thinking, wow, man, God really loves us a lot. You know, he really, he really does. You know, he, he knew. He knew what kind of pain he was going to go through. He knew the agonizing thing that he was going to have to go through. Um, me and Jim were talking today, and he was just, sharing with me just, you know, when he was in the garden, he's sweating blood. It's because he knew how trying it was going to be. But he did it because of his love. He did it because his love and his joy for us. And it made me think, it just made me think of, you know, bringing a new life, you know, bringing a new life into this world. There's a lot of pain but there's a lot of joy, and it's a miracle, and it's a gift. And Jesus, in a sense, when he was going to the cross, he was birthing something new in life, a new way to approach God. He said, if I, it's better that I go 
so that another can come. And that's the comforter. Without Jesus going to the cross, the Holy Spirit would not be here. The indwelling spirit that lives in each side and every one of us who chooses to believe. And so we, we can't. We can't take it lightly. <laughs> we can't take it lightly that the, the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, how much it, how much it means and what it has done to us who've chosen to believe. It's a precious, precious, precious gift. And we can, and, you know, we can tap into that at any moment, at any time. But yeah, a lot of times we get so distracted in life and there's so much going on. There's no condemnation. But we let those, we let those things slip away. We forget sometimes. You know, and that's my prayer, you know, with now being a father and being a parent with my own, you know, with my own child and, and children. Sorry, babe. <laughs> but is that I don't, that I don't let that ever slip away. That I, that I remember, to me, that child will be, it'll be a remembrance of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And I, and I don't, and with her life, I don't want to ever let life so get overwhelmed that I forget to give her the time and give her the, the attention and, and the intentionality and just, and the love, you know. When she was born, I finally understood Liam Nelson in the movie Taken. <laughs> You know? yeah. I'm not saying I'm going to do all that, but I'm just saying. You do more than that. Yeah. You know, it was just in an, in an instant. I'm ready to jump in front of a train for her. I don't know her. You know, I know her, but you know what I mean? It's, it's just an instant thing. And you can't even explain it. And, and Jesus did that for us, too. Like the moment we were conceived, he said, I'll jump in front of a train for them. And he did. That train was judgment and that train was wrath that we deserved because of sin. And we were standing on the track of life, lost and in the dark, separated. <coughs> and Jesus moved us out of the way and said, I take the hit. I'll take the hit for you because you're going to need it in life. Life is crazy. <laughs> but he is faithful. And I, yeah, like I said, I learned that so much in this process of just God is who he says he is. And, you know, here's the thing it's the way that you picture things as we all know, don't always plan out, pan out like we planned on them, do they? But here's the thing about being solid and having a foundation in the, in the new covenant and in the gospel is there was not one, even though I had, I had all these expectations. I mean, we thought we had this expectation that it was going to be like two hours and it ended up being 44 hours. We were... It was like, well, it's going to be quick and easy, you know. But 
But here's the thing, when you have your foundation and who God is and the character of God, that he is only good and he only does good things. Not once did we ever question God. Not once did we try to figure out what God was trying to teach us in this process. You know? I mean, there's so much freedom in that. It allows you to be a witness in the testimony of God's goodness when things don't work out the way that you planned. It allows you to keep a smile on your face and keep joy in your heart when life doesn't happen the way that you wanted it to. You know? Because at the end of the day, we knew what God was going to do. You know, even though it wasn't exactly how we planned, God was faithful. God kept our hearts steadfast. God kept our hearts solid. And it did have those parts about the envisioning, the laughing, and the smiling, and the, and the joy, and the peace. That was there. It was. I was making her laugh with, when she was in incredible pain. And it was just, it was, it was him, though. You know what I mean? It was, it was the presence of God in me being, being expressed outwardly in every single way, and it brought peace, and it brought joy in a very difficult time. And I think we can, the lesson to learn is there's, man, I just, I mean, for myself, I learned, if I can do it there, I can do that anywhere, right? If I, if I can do it in the most trying time in my life, and that's not to put me on a pedestal because, you know, we're, we're, all the, we're all the same. We're all of God's children. And God is no respecter of any person. What he gives to one, he gives to another. Nobody, you know, we're all on the same playing field. So I don't want to share today, though, how much time do I got? I got 10 minutes. God, I better wrap this up quick. So, but... The, you know, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of, this is kind of a mix, like I said, the kind of my test, like a testimony of what's just, there's just, after you go, after I've gone through this, there's just no way to get around not encapsulating into what I'm going to talk about. Um, so it's kind of like partly a testimony and partly a teaching. So I've just, in my life, there's a thing, there's a scripture, and it's Matthew 6, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I mean, that is, that is solid, solid, solid teaching from Jesus. You know, before this, Jesus is going into talking about, you know, don't, don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you'll be clothed with. Look at the birds of the air, how their father takes care of them. They neither sow nor they reap, and yet their father takes care of them. They're fed, you know, and look at the lilies, how they're clothed, you know, and God illustrates to say, God knows exactly what we're talking about. God knows what we need. God knows what we need before we even ask. And he says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's the kingdom? What are we seeking? The kingdom Jesus said the kingdom is within you. To me, the kingdom is a set of 
uh, how a kingdom operates as far as there's laws and there's, you know, there's rules and there's things. But to me, what kingdom means is the quality of life. When you are set in a kingdom, there's a quality of life that comes with that kingdom. Because in a kingdom, there's a what? King, right? And our king in the kingdom of God is King Jesus. And I like having that king because he knows he's a lot smarter than I am. And in that kingdom, is a, there is a quality of life. And it's the same quality of life that Jesus has. Can you picture how happy Jesus is? He's a pretty happy guy. <laughs> Did you picture how peaceful Jesus is? He's a pretty peaceful guy. Can you help picture how loving Jesus is? He's a very loving guy. And so all these things, the quality of life, you know, when, when Jesus was, you know, when he showed up and the 5,000 needed to be fed, I don't think Jesus pulled out his calculator, his, his heaven calculator, to say, oh, I'm going to see, let's punch these numbers in. Oh, yeah, that'll work. No, it says that Jesus looked up and it says that when he looked up, that, that word looked up, it means to recover your sight. And I think what Jesus was doing was he was remembering who God was, and he was remembering who he was. And when he remembered, the miracle happened. All 5,000 were fed. And so that's the way the kingdom operates, is it's that quality of life that we don't, we don't look at things just naturally. We don't just look at things that we can hear, taste, smell, and feel. But we look at them from God's perspective. God's perspective is a lot better than ours. Amen? So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the righteousness part, that is just important as the kingdom. His righteousness, when you, the, what bought us, what, we are the righteousness of God. Second uh, Corinthians 5.21 says, For he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. In that righteousness, what you seek is you seek what the great, I like to call it as the great exchange. As, as, as shared in Isaiah 53 and a lot of other scripture is the great exchange. When you're seeking, what you're seeking is to see what Jesus did on your behalf. He took our sin, everything. I mean, he took depression, he took guilt, he, he took condemnation, he took shame. He took the, all the power of sin and took it on himself in exchange. When we said yes to him, he gave us his life and and what I like to picture when I'm thinking about this, and it becomes, we have, we can't, we can't just intellectualize these kind of ideas and these concepts. We have to see it in our heart. We have to see ourselves. You know, if I'm experiencing fear, or if I'm experiencing worry, or if I'm experiencing any negative emotion that doesn't belong to me, and then what I do is I picture myself, I see Jesus on the cross. And what I see is all that, all that, that, that junk, all that stuff, it's being put on him. 
and exchange everything that is about him, everything that is true about him, everything that is holy and precious and beautiful about him, it comes on to me. And I, we receive it by faith. We can't earn that. It's a gift. And when you, there's something that happens in your heart when you receive that and when you believe that and you let that truth be illuminated in your life. I mean, life is completely different. I mean, the way that you think. Have you ever had one of... Have you ever had just a moment in life to where you thought a certain way and just in a moment because you experienced truth, it's like everything has changed? I mean, that, ha- I mean, I mean, that happened significantly in my life when I was a, a substance abuser. All the, way, all the ways I thought and all the, the things I would think about, it was when I, when I received that truth of of who I was, my new identity in Christ, it's like my, the, the heaven's doors opened for me. It was, I mean, everything changed. The music I listened to, I mean, the people I talked to, I mean, just every aspect about my life, it changed not because I had done anything to do it, but it's because I had received a truth, and when I received that truth and it became illuminated in my life, it, every, my, my whole thought life changed. Instead of me being consumed with worry and being consumed with fear, I became consumed with love. I could be, you know, was, began to be consumed with joy. And that's not a one-time thing. If we've ever had that, it's, it's a, it can be a daily, a daily walk that we can experience that freedom. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that when you seek those things, you seek the quality of life that God gives through the finished work of Jesus, and you seek that righteousness that he freely gives. It says, when you do that, all these things shall be added unto you. So many times we're seeking so many things. And when we say seek, I don't mean like, like it's like if we want to know an answer now, it's just like, let me just Google it, you know? Let me just, let me just find out what this is. That's not seeking, you know? That may be a form of seeking, but seeking, what it, what, one definition for seek means to aim, right? If you think about, if you're aiming, if you're in archery, I don't know if we have any archers here. <laughs> but if you're if if you're aiming, you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta breathe probably. You gotta relax, okay? You gotta focus, and you gotta set your eyes on the bullseye, right? And that's what we have to do when we seek. Not looking to the left or looking to the right. But we got to aim for that bullseye. And that bullseye is Jesus. And that's his finished work and everything that he's done. Because that is the only thing that is truly going to satisfy us. No more junk food. No more snacks. We want the real thing. We want the real meat. We want real water that is going to satisfy. That is, that, that's where life is truly enjoyed. And I think so many times sometimes is we... And we do, we face, there may be an area in our life where we hit brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. 
and we get discouraged. And the word Proverbs says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But there's an, a, a, a newness, a newness in believing in who he is and believing what he's done. And, that, and, it's, and it's always there. It's always available. So I want to go to Mark 4. And just kind of, this is kind of a pivotal scripture here at Ford um, that we talk about. Mark 4 is the parable of the sower and the seed. I'm just going to read through um, part of the parable, and we're just going to talk about it. Okay, so verse 3, I'm going to go through it in here. Y'all with me? Okay. Verse 3 says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away, and some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Is he talk, we're going to find out that he's not talking about these things right here. He says, but when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So here we go. Jesus is about to reveal the mystery. Do you want to know the mystery? All right, you're going to find out. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Verse 12. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should churn and their sins be forgiven them. So we re- Jesus points out right now that this is not a human diagnosis. It's not a natural diagnosis. This is a spiritual diagnosis that they have, you can have, seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. So he's saying you can have all these functions working in your life. You can see and you can hear, but you can not perceive any of it. So what he's talking about a spiritual truth here. And so he said in verse 13, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable How then will you understand all the parables, okay? How will you understand anything that Jesus has to understand if you don't understand this one? He says, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts, Verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Verse 17, and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises 
for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Verse 18, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and because and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. Some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. So I believe with seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, this is a way that we do that. That's a way that we seek his kingdom, that we seek his righteousness, is we plant the word in our hearts. I want to read to you, I have it in the message, um, verse 18 through 19. So just, we don't have it up there, so just listen. It says, the seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. So what this is saying to me is that the the environment for the word to grow in your life is peace. Peace is the greenhouse for the fruit of the word. Peace is what we need for the for, for to get the 30-fold, the 60-fold, or the 100. We have to have an environment of peace in our hearts. It's so important. We live in such an age, like I said, we live in an age, it's micro, um, a microwave age. Instant everything. Anytime you have directions, for five seconds to throw something in the microwave, you know, I think we need to, to release a little bit more time in our life. Anytime that we have to think about to just throw a Pop-Tart into the microwave for five seconds so that we have enough time to go to work or whatever it is. But the point is, we, we live in such a, a now and an instant, and if I don't got it now, then it ain't, it ain't real, it ain't happening. But there is patience that we need to have. There's patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And as we're drawing close to Him, as we're close in relationship with Him, that should be a natural byproduct of our relationship with God. And I'm in a perfect place to see that tested. You know? With having a child, I'm in a perfect place. Or if it's at your job or whatever it is, don't count it as little as a little thing to be impatient. Build yourself up in who you are in Christ. Trust that. Trust what he did is real for you. And let that patience come out. And, and come out to all those. Because in my life, what I've experienced about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I call it my parable of the lost keys. Okay? <laughs> For me, it's, I've, if you've ever lost your keys, it's like, or your wallet, that's the worst. <laughs> and you're in a panic, you're like, 
oh my God, I got to find this right now. Like right now, I have to find this thing. But I've experienced, I guess, the miraculous when I stop panicking and stop worrying so much and I take a seat and I just breathe, okay? <laughs> and I just say, you know what? It's going to come up. I, I believe it's going to, I'm going to believe I'm going to find it, you know, in desperation and panic, you can't see clearly at all. You think you can, and you'll convince everybody that you can, but you can't. You can't see in desperation. You can't see in a panic. So when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that's what it brings to mind to me. We just, we, 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 we just focus on the things that we need to focus on. We take a moment, we breathe, and we relax. And the next thing you know, they, they, they show up. And I've experienced that in my life with, um, you know, meeting my wife and, and so many different situations, you know. In my, in my life, when I was trying to find a wife, when I was, so, I was so desperate for a relationship, I was so desperate for somebody, you know, not like weird desperate. <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't crazy. But I genuinely, you know, as anybody, you don't want to be alone. You want somebody to share your life with. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but we get so much of our attention so consumed with this thing, even like it's sometimes it's like we try so hard not to be consumed by this thing, but we just, we can't help it. <laughs> so I got to a place in my life, and you know, I've just seen this happen time and time and time again in my life, that when I just, I took this time, I started my year off 2016, where I'm just, you know what, I'm just gonna, do, and I've never done this before. Don't think I'm like, like a super disciplined person because I'm not. But I really took, I just really felt in my heart to be disciplined at the beginning of 2016. I just said, you know what, I'm going to spend every day, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to spend every day with the Lord. And like in the quietness and stillness and not, there, no agenda, there was nothing. My, I wanted to dedicate that an hour of my morning or whatever it ended up being to strictly just letting his presence, letting his love, just letting who he is just nurture me and love me and just let him show me who he is and let you know him show me who I am. And it was just an amazing, an ama I mean, more amazing than any conference I've ever been to, more amazing than any event I'd ever gone to, more amazing than any church service because what happened in my heart was the truth of God's word and everything that I had planted became real in my life. Amen. And so for the first time in my life, that thing that I continued to try and, try and fulfill and try to satisfy, when I was satisfied with him and his presence, and you know, there was even like a time where I felt so much tangible peace in my life that I didn't even feel worthy of it. 
Like, it was crazy. Like, I would spend this time with the Lord, and I felt something trying to sabotage the whole experience. And I went to the Lord about it. I'm like, is that the devil, you know? <laughs> but the Lord just revealed to me, that's you. That's because you don't feel like you deserve this. You don't feel like you're worth it. And so I was like, so a lot of times people start to, they, but you, your heart will sometimes sabotage the very thing that you want because you don't feel like you deserve it. And it's not about you. It's about looking at what he did and accepting that. We got we to evict all self-righteousness out of our life if we want to experience the kingdom. And, and when I did that and I spent that time, I found myself for the first time I was, I guess I was 27 years old, and I found myself more satisfied and fulfilled than I had been ever in my life. You know, and I was, you know, I've been here. I've been in ministry, serving, went to Bible college, you know, was very involved. But yet there was still, you know, there was still a, a void in my heart that needed to be filled. And it was like, I was at peace. I was finally, I was writing a list of all the things I loved about being single. You know, <laughs> I was like... Well, wow, I never realized how great my life is. I'm like, this is awesome. I became so excited about life. And I was no longer looking, you know, and I was not ever really actively pursuing anybody, you know. But when I entered this, this, this season in my life where I was at peace with God in my heart, it was like during this process, during the most time I'm experiencing so much joy and so much just, just overwhelming, just I would wake up in the morning and I would just feel peace, like just a tangible peace and it would just go with me every day. It was a, it was a, really, amazing, um, it was a really amazing experience. <laughs> and in the midst of that, I've, I heard, I just felt a nudge like go on to Christian Mingle. I'm like... That doesn't sound like the Lord. <laughs> I'm like, God would never tell me to get on a, a dating website. Like, that, stuff, that stuff don't work. Those people are, you know. I just, I, would, I just, I, I had this really like, uh, like I thought like it was going to be such a supernatural experience. You know what I mean? Like this really like crazy thing, you know. She would walk in the door and she'd be glowing and there'd be, an <laughs> there'd be angels around her singing. And... But I, I, um, I felt the Lord, you know, just, just go on the Christian mingle. So I went, anyways, end of the story was I met my wife like a week later. And it was just... It was, just the, it was just the most awesome, the awesome thing. And we were both in the same season in our life. We were both pursuing actively the Lord in our hearts and both focusing on that. And, you know, she wasn't really actively, like, trying to find. She canceled on six dates before me. And so she felt, a, obviously, it was fireworks when we met. Yeah. 
Okay, so back to my message. I'm running out of time here. I'm getting too excited talking about my wife. Yeah, very busy year. We got engaged four months, married the next three. Now we have a child. <laughs> hey, when you know it's the Lord, you know it's the Lord. So it's good. So I want to read uh, Luke eight fifteen. We're going to wrap up here in a second. Okay. So it says, this is just another, um, it's shared in another gospel, the same parable. It's kind of said differently. It says, um, the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear it and bear fruit with patience. So it's that, that, that patience part. Having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, and keep, and keep it and bear fruit with patience. Never minimize, let me say this, never minimize your character. Never minimize, like, you know, t- telling like a, a, a little lie or, or not being, you know, just like the things that make up characters, integrity, and, and doing what you say you're going to do. Never minimize having a strong character in your life, being a servant unto others, you know, just things that make up having good character. It's not like a rule that we live by, but in develop in the things that, the way that you act when nobody sees are the things that's preparing you for the things that you don't see. If we minimize our, the decisions that we make when nobody's looking, then we're going to fall short when the opportunity comes for you to take advantage of what the, whatever door God is opening for you. So never take it lightly, you know. And there's no condemnation. That's why it's so important, and we say it over and over and over and over again, to be have your, every, your foundation and who you are and who God is to be so rooted in that. You can't hear that God loves you enough. You can't. You can't hear that enough. If you think you've heard it enough, then you haven't heard it enough. Because his love, it can't be, the width can't be measured, the height, it can't be measured. It can't. And so when you think you figure it out, you haven't. You need to hear it some more. You need a couple series on love. So keep it and bear fruit with patience. So be patient. When you plant the word, be patient. Okay? And I'm going to show you how to... Okay? That can be challenging sometimes. Let's go one more verse. Uh, I keep going too long. Okay. Mark 4, verse 26 through 27. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Verse 27 and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. I love that verse, because I like to sleep, okay? <laughs> how, many of y'all, how many of y'all like to get work done while you're sleeping? <laughs> Amen? So we don't plant the word, and then we just 
get down and just look at it and we just wait for that thing to grow. You go to sleep. Go take a break. Go take a nap. That's how the word works. God doesn't need all your, your self-energy and self-focus. What he needs you to do is trust and believe, plant the word, and trust that when you plant it, it's going to grow. You don't have to keep looking at that thing and covering that thing and saying, ah, it ain't growing. Let it grow. Let it grow. <laughs> Can't hold it back anymore. <laughs> so let that thing grow, okay? <laughs> you plant the word, trust and believe. When you're sleeping, trust that that thing is growing, wow. okay? Amen? Because it will change your life. I'm, I'm, I'm a, we're a living testimony. You know what? Jesus is a testimony to that word. Jesus, apart from the scripture, wouldn't have a clue who he was. And if Jesus had to plant the word in his heart, how much more should we? Amen. That is how you are going to discover who you are. So, how do we plant the word of God in our life? How do you plant this word? My answer, I mean, you can get, I think there's a little bit of a creative license in this, but you got to see it. When you read the word, my encouragement for you, leaving here, I want to leave you here with something today, that first of all, you got to read the word. If you're not reading the word, how are you going to plant it? Okay? You got to read it. And I'm not saying you got to read you know, five, ten, you know, it's not about the, the quantity of reading that you do. You read until you read something that evokes emotion in your heart. You read until something pops off the page. You know, that may look like it different for everybody, but the word is living and it is alive and it should do something to us. It should do something. Y'all know what emotions are? God created them. You know, we're not supposed to be emotionless Christians. No, not, there's not, uh, obviously, there's an abuse on the other side of emotions, but it should bring joy. It should bring life. It should be peace. So whatever that word is, whatever that scripture is, try, here's, here's my practical application of meditation for you. Because sometimes it's hard to see yourself experiencing a truth and let alone. So there is a, and some people may be familiar, but picture yourself as if you're sitting in the movie theater, you close your eyes, you go sit in the movie theater, and on that screen, the, the main actor is you. Okay? Can y'all do that? Can you, can you see what I'm saying? Picture yourself as the main actor and focus and, on this scripture that has evoked emotion in your heart Try to see how the movie is being played out with this scripture being true in your life. Because when you do that, it doesn't make it true, as we've heard, but it makes it believable. And without something being believable, you won't have the patience to contain it. And so when you know and you believe, this, this, could, actually, this could actually be real in my life, this fear I've been struggling with, 
I'm reading a scripture about my confidence in the Lord that it said the righteous are bold as a lion. As I see myself on the movie screen, I'm seeing myself do things that I could never do on my own. Then I, I began to see my life in a way that I could never dream or imagine. And it's because it has, it's not really about me. It's about God's grace working through me and, and giving me the ability and the capacity to do things I could never do on my own. And so you can do that in any area of your life. God wants it. God wants you to experience his quality of life. And if you can see it, then you will plant the word. But until you have some kind of emotion or some kind of, I mean, if you're an artist, you could, I used to paint, I used to do pictures and do things with different scriptures and different words. Do whatever it takes for you to get that scripture to come alive in your heart. Because until you do, I, I just, it, it, it's not planted. It's got to be planted. It's got to be planted to bear fruit. So how do we remain patient? I'll end on this note. We remain patient by keeping our attention and keeping our aim on who he is. Keeping your focus on him. Everything about him. There's so much about him. Like I said, we talked about aiming. Aim for the bullseye. Don't be distracted from the left. Don't be distracted to the right. There's, like it said, the word said, the, you know, there's different things, the deceitfulness of riches, chasing after things. Those are all good things, and the Lord wants to provide everything that we need. But isn't it so much better when you receive it as a gift? You know, that was the thing about the children of Israel. God wanted them to go out of the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. But it says in Psalm 78 that they limited the Holy One of Israel. God's whole desire was for them to walk into a land with milk and honey and houses built for them. Everything was provided. Everything, it was a land overflowing that they would not have to work and, and do all this stuff to have. But God wanted to provide it as a gift, but yet their hearts were not in a place to receive. So God, we just thank you. God, we just thank you for who you are. God, we just thank you that this word, when it's planted in our life, it bears fruit. God, we thank you for the patience, God, the fruit of the Spirit and the patience. God, we thank you that when we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, you add all things unto us, God. And I just thank you that during this time of the year that can be difficult and there's lots of things that has happened in our lives. There's loss and there's, there's family drama and there's things. God, I thank you that your peace prevails. God, I thank you that your peace has the victory in our lives. I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that your word, it says that your word is settled in heaven forever. I thank you that your word does not return void, that it does what it is promised to do. That if we plant an apple seed, we're going to get apples, God. We thank you that we plant the word, we're going to get in return your life, equality that you've promised. And we thank you that providing the seed by, by giving your life on the cross. You know, if that's you today with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today that you've, you don't know what this quality of life is, or maybe you're watching online, 
And you say, I want that. You know, I want that kind of quality of life. I want to experience the kingdom that Jesus paid for, that he shed his own blood. If that's you, if you would just lift your hand.